Hello and welcome to the Incredible Witness Podcast. This episode is titled My First Time in Family Court. My first family court appearance occurred some 30 odd years ago. At the time I was a newly qualified social worker, inexperienced but eager to do what was required to progress up the ladder. Had I known what I know now, I would not have been anywhere near as willing to have taken on the case that was allocated to me. The case involved a child under four and her two parents, who it soon became clear had nothing but complete disdain for me and I suspect social workers in general. When I look back now at my involvement in the case, there are so many things I can identify as crucial learning points that I had no understanding of at the time. One of the things that springs to mind now is just how quickly I began to loathe visiting the family. Not the child, but the parents, who disguised in no way the antipathy they felt towards me. Walking through their threshold was like walking into another world. The second you entered their flat, you could, you could feel it, as palpable as a slap in the face. It was an atmosphere that is best encapsulated in one word, contempt. In the brief time I worked with them, I can't ever recall them smiling, or indeed any interaction with them that was even, in a small way, cordial. If they answered the question, it was a w- with one word, a brief nod of the head or a shrug of the shoulders. Often they didn't answer at all. It was almost as if I hadn't said anything. Their child was invariably placed in a playpen. Quite why she was always in there. At every visit I made to them was unclear since she was able to walk and this would have benefited and, and she would have benefited from having the opportunity to roam freely and explore her environment. However, this freedom, it appears, was consistently denied to her. And during each visit, I observed her through the bars of her playpen. What was, what was conspicuous about this little child was her facial expressions. Like her parents, I'm certain that I never witnessed a glimmer of a smile cross her features. Her body language and expressions were always the same. They were overwhelmingly, desperately sad. My regret, and it is huge, is that I did not figure out what her facial expressions were attempting to convey to me until it was too late. Her sullen, tearful demeanour and focused attention was constantly trained on me during each visit. It made no sense to me at the time. She had a mother and a father who I considered she must have loved, and yet her pitiful stare was always trained solely on me. Her blonde, uncombed hair and tear-stained face watched me relentlessly through the bars of her playpen. Thinking about her lived experience, she must have felt as though she were jailed, her hands holding onto bars that confined her, but one hope for release, resting in the hands of a man who didn't understand a a desperate, non-verbal cues. The memory of her features would linger in my thoughts over the years. Her innocent, wretched existence and my complete failure to correctly interpret her speechless communication was something in hindsight I knew how I had to learn from. Sadly, the time I worked with her and her parents, I was totally unaware of the torment. 
she was constantly exposed to. In hindsight, it is so easy to see the things I did not recognise. It was so obvious but on reflection, but at the time I saw nothing clearly and was totally ineffective. Plainly, I was totally out of my depth and in no way prepared for what was coming. Early one weekday morning, before commencing my journey to work, I received the call that would throw my world into turmoil. My manager, who had never called me at that at home before, delivered the catastrophic news. There's been a tragedy in one of your cases. Later that day I heard all the tragic events which had resulted in the death of, of the three-year-old toddler. Apparently, in a fit of rage, for reasons that never became clear to me, or perhaps anyone else, other than the parents, the father had killed the child in a sadistic attack on his defenceless daughter. As a consequence, there was to be a serious case review, and I was to attend court. I guess from the moment I received the news, I was operating on automatic pilot, going through the emotions, but not really fully conscious of all that was going on around me. As far as I can recall, there was some brief discussion with me about going to court and giving evidence, but I have no memory to memory of it at all. This could be due to me being traumatised by the child's death, but knowing what I know now about preparing to give evidence, it was, I believe, woefully inadequate. Just as I had been completely out of my depth when working with the family, in precisely the same way, I was totally lost and ineffective in the witness box. Thinking back to the experience some 30 years earlier, I can identify so many things that I needed to do to equip myself for the task of giving good evidence. But my problem at the time was not just that my practice was poor and I had missed crucial opportunities and clues to save her. My biggest problem on the day and for a significant period of time was was that I was traumatised and emotionally and psychologically ill-prepared for giving evidence and managing cross-examination. I was trying to deal with my own demons, my own thoughts and feelings of remorse, guilt and grief, and I had, not even in the smallest of ways, began to come to terms with them. Given my predicament, when I reflect back on the event, it is no, it is no surprise that I performed so abysmally in the witness box. How could I possibly defend myself appropriately when I was seized by a major state of, of self-doubt and self-blame? In terms of my self-assessment of my performance on the day, I would rate my performance as 0 out of 10. I really mean that. I was, completely, I was a complete wreck of no use at all. You might argue that at least I turned up or attended, but even this was highly questionable, because although I was physically there, I might as well have not might as well not have been, because I was barely able to answer a question put to me. One question after another was directed at me, and my response each time was the same. Deafening silence, followed by followed the, the barrister's questions, infuriating the judge, whose grimace concealed none of his patent disgust of my stuttering ineptitude. The truth is, I was overwhelmed by everything, from the child's murder, my lack of experience and and competence, my self-deprecating thoughts and trauma, and of course the sheer stress involved 
and give in evidence in a case such as this. When you go to court and are placed in the witness box, when all eyes are concentrating on you, unless you are prepared for that nervous scrutiny, you can easily freeze and just be overly awed by all. I don't know if you have ever been on stage to act a part in a play or give a, a talk to a group of people. I think you can appreciate what I'm getting at. If you have never done something like that, it is extremely daunting for the vast majority of people. And if on top of that, you don't know your lines or you have no idea what on earth you are going to say in your speech to your audience and have no clear understanding of what they want from you, then you are in, then you are in an incredibly uncomfortable position. But the reality of the situation is worse than that, because at court, they're going to fire questions at you, and many of those questions are designed and intended to undermine you in, in any and every way possible. For the analogy to be exactly the same, it would be the equivalent of your audience showing their dissatisfaction by booing you or throwing objects at you in uproar because your performance is so poor. Well, that was my experience because fundamentally I had no idea of what I was there to do. I had no idea what was expected of me or any understanding of how the court worked. I had been placed in the witness box, sworn in, which was, which was also unsettling, and then trapped in the witness box, waiting like a bewildered animal to be sacrificed and slaughtered. It may sound like I'm, I am over-dramatising the situation, but I can only tell you this is, this is what it felt like. I've never been physically slaughtered and sacrificed, of course, but psychologically and emotionally, this is exactly what it felt like. The questions were raining down on me, like sharp knives slicing me. I sat there, unable to answer them, being able to even speak and to, ex to explain, defend or justify. There was no, nowhere to turn for help, no warm or sympathetic face. I simply had to sit there and try to bear what felt unbearable. How could this be allowed? I, me I remember thinking, sometime after the events of that day. Okay, sure, I was inexperienced. My work was nowhere near good enough and I wasn't able to protect the child. And, and, and I, more than anyone else, would remember that for the rest of my life. But did I deserve to be treated as if I had killed the, child, the little girl? You're probably again thinking that I'm being overly dramatic with regard to the treatment I received, the manner in which I was spoken to and the level of criticism directed at me. I can accept that I was highly sensitive to the vitriolic nature of their questions and responses, but I found myself having to remind myself that I had not killed the child. My lack of experience and ineffectiveness had meant that, that, that I had not acted to protect her and save her life, but I was not ultimately responsible for killing her. As naive as it may now sound, it had never crossed my mind that her death was a possibility or that she was at risk of harm by her parents. I can't recall being aware at that time of a parent killing their own child, so I guess that up until that point, it really was not on my radar. Following my baptism of fire at court, although traumatised by the murder of the little, girl, little child and the mourning I received in the witness box, I made a promise to myself that I would never allow that to happen to me again. From that time onwards, 
I, I learned all I could and prepared fully for giving evidence each time. As horrific as it was, if it had not happened, I wouldn't be here today on this podcast sharing my story with you. Much of what we learn is from self-reflection. I hope you gained a lot from it.